Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Well, it's uh, great to be with you guys again. Um, now, I remember when I was about 10 years old, we got as a present, we got a rubber dinghy. We were on holiday, me and my younger sister, we were just so delighted to be able to try it out, so we went to the beach. And being the kind older brother that I am, I decided I'd lie back in the dinghy and my sister could get the tow rope at the front and pull us through the water. And it was going great until this wave came along and my sister got water in her eye. And so my sister, despite me shouting at her to come back and keep pulling, she, she, she went to shore to dry her face. I wasn't worried because, you know, it was our new toy. She'd come back and keep pulling. So I just continued to lie there. You know where to go, don't you? So I continued to lie there. And then a couple of minutes later, I realised, firstly, my sister hadn't come back. Secondly, the dinghy had drifted. And now I was at a depth which I wasn't too comfortable with. In fact, I was drifting out to sea. Fortunately for me, Dad charges down the beach like some horrible parody of Baywatch. He grabs the dinghy and he saves both me and the dinghy. Now, I I know it's a bit of an amusing story, but it just goes to show us that actually drifting is dangerous. Drifting is dangerous. And that's the case in all of life, isn't it? You know, we have these aims and goals and ambitions and we want to achieve them, but we kind of somehow drift away from it and we don't achieve them and as Christians that's really the case isn't it because we want to honour God with our lives we want to stay close to him but we drift and we don't achieve those goals now 1 Samuel chapter 7 is brilliant because it allows us to not drift because it gives us two key ways that you and I can do to help us from drifting two key ways you and I can stay close to God and honour him with our lives. Uh, but before we look at those, just a bit of context. Because as we look uh, back at the, uh, what we've already done in 1 Samuel, it kind of gives us a greater appreciation of what we're going to learn and look at tonight. Uh, well, 1 Samuel, uh, it's a history book. That is uh, a book which is a story, and it's a story about Israel. It's a story of Israel transition from a uh, fledgling nation to a powerful nation. It's a story of their transition to a monarchy, that is, where they're ruled by a king, a king who, in turn, is ruled by God. But when we get to chapter 7, Israel doesn't have a king or any other kind of leader. And when the Israelites lack a leader, they drift away from God. And as they drift away from God, they get into a lot of trouble. If you've got your Bible with you, you can see this is the case. Uh, If you look at uh, the start of the chapter, it begins with the men of uh, Kirith-Jerim, and they're collecting the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was an ornate rectangular box, and in it were stored the tablets on which the Ten Commandments were inscribed. And it was a sign of God's covenant, or God's promise, to be with his people. So it's a sign of God's promise, his power, his rule, and his presence. Now in chapter 4, the the Israelites took the Ark of the Covenant into battle against the Philistines. Uh, But they weren't doing this under God's rule. They were kind of treating God a bit like a performing monkey. 
they were saying, well, actually, uh, if we take the symbol of God's presence with us, then God, he's got to give us the victory, hasn't he? But, but, but God doesn't work like that. And so he allows the Philistines to defeat them. Uh, the Israelites are crushed and the ark is captured. Uh, but the ark, uh, although, it ta- although it's taken back into Philistia, it doesn't stay there long. Because the, wherever the ark is kept, well, a plague of tumours breaks out amongst the population. So the Philistines realise actually it's not good having the ark and they return it to the Israelites of Beth Shemesh. Now, now remember what we said, the uh, Israelites, they're, they're, they're kind of drifting away from God at this moment. And uh, so they don't really treat the uh, ark, the symbol of God's promise, with the respect that it deserves. They don't respect God's holiness. Uh, and a consequence of this is that God strikes 70 men from Beth Shemesh dead. Now the men of Beth Shemesh, they, they want nothing to do with a God who is holy. Nothing at all to do with him. So they ask the, uh, the guys of Kirith Jerem to come to collect the ark. And we see that these guys at least do get it. They get God's holiness. Uh, they, they appoint a guardian. They take it to a special house. But you know, despite the return of the ark, this isn't painting a great picture. Uh, the past few chapters, it's not an encouraging picture because we see a nation who, well, they're drifting away from God. They're in a weak position of power. And their relationship with God, well, it's fractured. And it's no surprise if you look at verse 2 that we see that Israel is in mourning. They're grief-stricken with fear that God has abandoned them. But what we go on to read is that God hasn't abandoned them. And he provides a leader in Samuel. Samuel, back in chapter 3, was anointed God's prophet. And uh, that is his messenger. And, and, and it's here in Israel crisis that Samuel comes back on the scene. And here we see him lead the people of God back to God. And as we look at how that happened, we see two key ways in which we can avoid the kind of drifting that the Israelites did. Two key ways we can avoid drifting and instead stay close to God and honour him with our lives. And we should have confidence to do this. Not, not, not because you or I are so great or anything, but because these are a response to God's character. Because we know what God is like, because we know who God is and his character, we can have a confidence to respond in these ways. We can respond in these ways. Our actions are a response to God's character, and this will prevent us from drifting. So two key ways that we can do this. They are rely and remember rely and remember firstly we're to rely upon god verses 3 to 11 in our bibles now reliance begins with repentance and verses 3 to 6 they show it, that the israelites begin to rely and upon god and they do this by repenting and samuel tells the israelites verse 3 you know remorse and grief that's all very well but you need to genuinely repent you need to turn to God in your heart and you need to give all of your hearts to God and the Israelites do this don't they uh, they get rid of their foreign gods they show outward symbols of repentance they that they, they, they fast they confess their sins uh, what we're seeing here is that the foundation of the Israelites set reliance on God is repentance and that's how you and I are to begin to rely upon God too 
by repenting, by fully focusing upon God and placing him as number one in our lives. That's the first challenge for you and me, to rely upon God by fully focusing on him and placing him as number one. Reliance begins with repentance. And it's in light of Israel's heart repentance that Samuel uh, decides to call uh, uh, an assembly where all of Israel get together and, 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 and Samuel says, I'll, I'll, I'll intervene or, or intercede with uh, God on your behalf. But the problem is the Philistines get wind of this meeting of all, uh, all of Israel and they realise this is probably going to be bad for them. So the Philistines, they get their army and they go to attack the Israelites. And the Israelites are terrified. And that's not surprising, is it? Because remember, back in chapter 4, when they uh, faced the Philistines, they got utterly annihilated. And they realised that they can't defeat the Philistines. They realised there's nothing they can do to save themselves. They realised that unless God rescues them, they're toast. And isn't that the same for you and me? If God doesn't intervene, you and me are toast. Because... I don't want to be obedient to God. I want to get annoyed at the guy who takes up two car parking spaces. I would much rather play on the PlayStation than read my Bible. And unless God changes me, unless by his spirit he puts a new heart in me, a heart that delights in obedience, I'm stuffed. I'm going to drift. And it's the same for you guys too. Unless God changes your heart, you're going to drift. We need to rely upon God. Well, the Israelites get this. They get this and they ask God for aid. Well, we see that when they uh, say to Samuel, keep calling out to God and ask him to aid us. Faced with overwhelming odds, what's their battle strategy? Rely upon God. And God saves them. Verses 10 and 11. God sends a mighty thunder and it throws the Philistines into confusion. And so much so, the uh, Israelites are able to beat them in battle. In fact, it's an absolute massacre. What a difference relying on God makes, eh? Back in chapter 4, they rely on their own strength. The result is a defeat. Chapter 7, they rely upon God and the result is a victory. And by having those two battles so close together in the narrative, it kind of meant to show the difference in outcome. And it's not only meant to do that, it shows us the reason for that difference. Relying upon God. That's the reason for the difference. So the first way for us to dr avoid drifting, to make sure that we honour God and stay close to him, is to rely upon God. And we do this because of God's character, because we know that God is a God who aids his people. We don't just see it in this passage. Throughout the Bible, we see God rescuing his people. And it's in light of that about God that we can respond by relying upon him. So this is a response to God's character. So the challenge for you and me is to rely upon God. One small problem. You and I, we don't like relying on people, do we? Well, we want to feel that we're self-sufficient. We don't like being dependent on anyone else. I think the, the, one of the challenges, therefore, for you and me is to make sure that we recognise that you and I are utterly dependent upon God. We need to come to that realisation. I used to work for Tesco's, uh, and um, one of the things you had to do was stacking shelves. 
And what you had to do was go into uh, the uh, storeroom, which was on the first floor, and you had to get one of the big pallets, you know, those big seven-foot cage-like trolleys, which you'd wheel out. And what you'd do is you'd wheel that out, you'd pop it in the lift, go down to the ground floor, onto the shop floor, and unload it. Now, the lift in question was one of those old industrial-style ones. You know, uh, iron grill lattice doors, which were rusting, small, cramped. You know where this is going as well, don't you? Uh, Thin drip light overhead that flickered, groaned when it moves. Yep. Well, with an almighty groan one time, it stopped when I was in it. Only the bottom half of the lift was on the ground floor. The top half of the lift was on the first floor. I was stuck. Now, I didn't want to look a muppet and uh, admit that I was stuck in the lift, so I tried everything to get out of that lift. I gave it a couple of minutes to see if it would start moving again. I pressed all the buttons. I, 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 I jumped up and down. I tried the doors, but nothing would work. And then I came to the realisation, in my own strength, I could not get out of that lift. I had to rely upon others. I, I, I came to the realisation that I was utterly dependent upon others to get out of the lift. And it's a little like that for you and I. We need to come to that realisation that we are utterly dependent upon God. We need to come to that realisation that we cannot rely on ourselves, but need to totally rely upon God. What does that look like? Well, firstly, I think we need to realise that we are utterly dependent upon God for a relationship with him. We need to totally rely upon God rather than ourselves for a relationship with him. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, that's the challenge for you. This is the bit which is really going to make a big difference to your life. Because we need to recognise there's no way that you or I can create or earn a relationship with God. We have to rely upon the way that God has made through a relationship with him. And that through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, before I was a Christian, I always thought if there was a heaven, that there isn't, but if there was a heaven, well, I'd be okay. I'd be guaranteed to get in there because I was, you know, a nice guy. You know, I was a decent bloke. No, I was a great bloke because, you know, I, I, I... I worked hard at uni, you know, and school. I, 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 I was nice to my family. I, I went and visited my grandparents regularly. I was a good mate, you know. I helped around the house when I was home. You know, I was a good guy. But then I met Jesus, and I realised two things. Firstly, I'm not actually that nice. And secondly, more importantly, it didn't matter how good I was because I wasn't good enough for God. No one is. In fact, I realised that if I was going to have a relationship with God, I couldn't rely on myself. I had to rely upon Jesus. And I wonder, are you sitting there tonight relying on yourself to have a relationship with God? Maybe, maybe it's because of something about you. Perhaps you grew up in a Christian home. Or, or, or maybe because you come to church regularly. Or maybe it's because of your morals, you don't do certain things, or your deeds. Are you relying upon any of those things to get to God? Because if you are, can I just beg you to reconsider, to think again? Because it's only as we rely upon Jesus, on his death on the cross, taking the punishment for our sins, only as we trust Jesus and place him as number one in our lives, as we rely upon his sacrifice, 
to bring us into a relationship with God. That's the only way that we can have that relationship with God now and forever. So the challenge for you and I is firstly to rely upon Jesus to give us that relationship with God. Maybe you've done that. What's the challenge for you? It's the same thing, rely upon God. Now, I wonder, when do you struggle most to rely upon God? Perhaps it's when things are tough, you know? Uh, Maybe uh, home life's really difficult at the moment, or you're just overwhelmed with the pressure of exams or, or university or work. Or perhaps it's when people are giving you a hard time for your faith. Or maybe... Maybe it's a case of a situation where you feel really tempted. And in those times, relying on God goes out the window. Or perhaps it's the other way around. It's when things are going well that you struggle to rely upon God. Uh, you, you know, you're fine relying upon God when things are hard, but when things are good, you're just tempted to go solo. You know, we all have those seasons in our life, don't we, where everything's going great. Uh, relationships, work, uh, church, hobbies, everything's going so smoothly. Is that when you stop relying on God? Regardless of when it is that you struggle, the answer is the same. To repent, to turn back to God, and once again rely upon him. And I wonder, maybe that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Maybe that's what we need to go away and think about in our quiet times. When am I not relying upon God? And how do we do that? Well, we do it like the Israelites do in the passage, verses 8 and 9. Like the Israelites, we're to pray to God. We're to cry out to God for aid. And like the Israelites, we're to be persistent in our prayers. We're to keep on calling out for him, calling out for him to change us and save us. We're to cry out in utter dependency on God. And when we do that, we won't be drifting. We'll be close to God and honouring him. Rely. Secondly, remember. Second way to avoid drifting, to stay close to God, we're to remember. We're to remember what God has done for us. Now, now, now the Israelites, led by Samuel, they clearly do this. Verse 12. Uh, Samuel, he places a stone as a mark of uh, remembrance at the site of the battle. And he calls it the Ebenezer stone, which means the stone of help or stone of deliverance. And it's placed there as a reminder that God has helped or delivered them from the Philistines. Now, by marking the site of this battle, by calling it the stone of help, what we're seeing here is Samuel's shown it's very, very important for us to remember what God has done for us. It's vital that the Israelites in this situation remember what God has done for them. Because as they do that, as they remember God's goodness, as they remember God helping them, well, they're far less likely to drift away from God. They're far less likely to fall into sin. They're far less likely to to, to mess up as they do in the previous few chapters if they remember God the help. That's logical, isn't it? Because as they remember what God's done for them, they're going to want to stick close to God. They're going to want to love him. In fact, the importance of remembering that God is uh, a God who helps us, God is our help, that's a key theme, not just in this passage, but throughout the Bible. Uh, You look at the Psalms, for example. Psalm 107, uh, let us give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. The Psalms are full of 
celebrating what God has done for his people. Or the Passover. The Passover meal was when the Israelites celebrated or remembered that God had delivered them or saved them from slavery in Egypt. Now you and I, we've not defeated the Philistines in battle. We've not been delivered out of slavery in Egypt. So what's our Ebenezer? What do we need to remember about God being our help? Well, Jesus uh, gives us a new Ebenezer, a new way of remembering what God has done for us. At the Last Supper, he commands the disciples to take the bread and wine, what you and I call communion, as a reminder of what he will do for them. And we still do communion in church today because it's a reminder of Jesus' death on the cross, of Jesus dying, taking the punishment for our sins, our rebellion against God in our place. So that through trusting him, we can come back into a relationship with God. That's what we remember. Communion helps us to remember the cross of what Jesus has done for us. Of God helping us, delivering us from death to eternal life with him. And it's not just actually with communion. Whenever we come together as a church, even now, what we're doing in part is remembering that God is our help. So remembering God is vital because as we remember that God is our help, we're not going to drift. We're going to stay close to him and we're going to honour him with our lives. Can I suggest to you that if something is worth remembering, if something's important to remember, you will go to any length to do so. Now, bit of a confession here I'm abysmal at remembering birthdays in fact I don't think my strategy of using Facebook to uh, notify me is the best way of remembering and my family well actually they're pleased if they get their present and uh, card in the same week as their birthday but then when I started going out with Rihanna I realized that's not going to cut it I need to remember this day (laughs) so so what I did was I wrote it in my diary this time in big red capital letters. And I put about a dozen reminders on my phone, not just uh, reminders about the actual day itself, but reminders the week before to remind me to go and actually get a card and present. Even, I even, and I'm not joking here, I even asked my housemate to remember the date and remind me in the days coming up to it because I'm so bad at remembering things. Now, why did I go to such lengths? Because... Because it was so vital for me to remember. It was important for me to remember. So I would go to any length to do so. So my final question for you guys tonight. What's your Ebenezer? How do you remember that God is your help? Because this is worth remembering. This is vital to remember. And therefore, we should be willing to go to any length to remind ourselves of it. I wonder, what's your, what, what's your Ebenezer? What's your practical ways of reminding yourself that God is your help? Well, there are countless ones out there. and I, I'd just like to finish by, by, by sharing a few potential ones with you. Um, how about church? We make church a big priority in our lives. I said uh, uh, before that we come together at church in part to remember that God is our help. We do that uh, not only on a Sunday, but also throughout the week in mission groups. 
So, so maybe we need to make these times a priority. But we won't use those times to kind of catch up on sleep or cram in work through a deadline. We're going to be committed to coming to these events. Or, or maybe try journaling. It's not just birthdays. I have the memory of a goldfish. And actually, I forget what I've read in my quiet time. I, I, I forget what God's saying to me and what he's doing in my life. So I journal. I write it down. And as I look back through my journal, I can clearly see that God is my help. Or how about meeting with Christian friends regularly? Uh, we do that in uh, Mosaic in group called accountability groups. And uh, th- we'd love for, for, for everyone in the church to be kind of plugged into one of those groups. Just a couple of, two or three people meeting together, discussing how God is their help. Or perhaps actually a physical uh, symbol work for you. I'm not, I'm not saying you go put a, a stone in your garden or front room, but, but actually, how about, uh, you know, maybe a picture or something? Somewhere you're going to see it on a daily basis and just remind yourself that God is your help. I, I, I get in one way it's an endless list and to be honest, it's whatever works for you. So be creative. The important thing is to remember, to have those Ebenezers, to remind ourselves that God is our help. Because as we remember how amazing God is, as we remember what he's done for us we're not going to drift we're going to stay close to him and we're going to honour him with our lives let's pray together Father God thank you that you are our help thank you Lord that we can rely upon you thank you Lord that we can depend upon you Thank you that you show us just how how good you are to us, not only throughout the Bible, but continuing today. And I just pray for every single person here that we would remember your goodness, that we would rely upon you. Forgive us for when we do things in your strength, in our strength, but just help us to do things in your strength. Help us to keep you at the centre of our lives. Help us not to drift, but to honour you. Amen. 